Welcome to episode 896 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Doing well, man. Glad I can um, sit down and record. I've been very active this weekend because it is absolutely gorgeous here in Charlotte area, uh, and uh, I have taken full advantage of it, and now I can't move. So glad I can sit down and uh, and do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the weather here has actually been really, really great. I, you know, I feel for the other people around the country that are are uh, struggling. Hopefully, everybody's staying safe, uh, and you get to, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the timbers of our voices will warm you up a little bit inside. But uh, just hope everyone is staying safe around the country where oh, yeah. the weather is really, really dangerous. Uh, joining us today is. One of my favorite people in the industry, and that is Shelly V from PitcherList.com. Shelly, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I wish I could say my weather was nice. Um, I mean, I live in Virginia, so I'm not too, you know, too far away. Um, but it's like, it's like 40 degrees. So it's oh, not, I'm, as- not, I'm not saying it isn't cold. Uh, it's just sunny and we have, we've had so much rain. I'm sure you've had some form of precipitation, uh, up your way. You're only a couple of hours north of me, but, um, yeah, it's very, it's cool today. I went out my hike today and it was still below freezing, but it was sunny and that's all I care about after, after, you know, five, six straight days of look like I was living in Seattle. Yeah, we had, uh, we had ice this past week, couple, couple rounds of ice, which was lovely, just lovely. Yeah, we, we don't really have ice out here. Like, you, the only ice we have, you have to go to your freezer to get. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm, I was telling someone the other day, like, I, I hate the weather here in the summer, but I'll take the, the 110 degree heat over the, uh, ice and snow any day. Uh, Shelly, remind people, for those who don't know who you are, though I think everybody in the in the industry should know who you are at this point, but remind people who you, uh, where you work, what you do, and where people can reach you on social media. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I guess the, like, the best place to find me is usually on Twitter. Um, it's at ShellyV underscore 643. Um, but I'm also one of the editors over at the Dynasty Guru. Uh, we just finished all of our rankings, our top 500 list um, that I kind of work on with uh, my good friends Keaton DeRocher and Jordan Rosenblum. Um, the, our top 50 dynasty players uh, list just drops, and I, um, I'm also a manager over at uh, Pitcher List, so you can find me at those two places. And uh, Shelly is one of my favorite people in the industry, really, really good dynasty player, um, uh, but I know you don't get to like talk as much about kind of redraft stuff, so I like to bring you on here and talk, you know, kind of pick your brain there, but Shelly whoops my ass in a in a dynasty league every year, so uh, one of the best dynasty players out there, so definitely check out her work over at Dynasty Guru, as well as Pitcher List. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Mason FWFB. You can follow Jason on Twitter, at Jason Collette. Uh, let's uh, talk about some of the uh, moves that have gone on here recently. Uh, a few decent ones, but mostly kind of, I think teams starting to fill out kind of the back end of their roster. Uh, Taiwan Walker signs with the Mets. Shelly, what is your interest on Taiwan Walker this year? Um, I, I was 
um, I kind of really like this signing uh, for both the Mets and for Taiwan Walker. Um, I mean, I do think that he was like a maybe pitching a little bit ahead of his skis uh, last year between, I think it was Seattle and Toronto. Um, but I mean, the Mets, the, the, uh, their home park is kind of like a pitcher's park. Um, and I, I do like their, their team. So I, I do think that there's probably a good chance, um, they could probably pick up some wins. Um, definitely, uh, I mean, if I was kind of thinking that he was going to go back to Seattle. Um, so it's definitely a much better situation for him, um, from a wins, uh, standpoint. Um, but I guess maybe in like a redraft league, I'd probably maybe take him towards maybe like maybe i don't know like the 12th 13th round something like that uh maybe is like my what fifth or sixth uh guy um but uh yeah i've i've always been a a, a huge fan of his um so i'm really glad that he got a a, a, a two-year deal with the mets jason what are your thoughts on walker uh Oldest twenty-eight year old ever. I don't know. It just feels like he's been around a lot longer, <laughs> a lot longer than two thousand fifteen. Uh, maybe it's you know, Evelyn Jackson. I used to say the same thing about Evelyn Jackson. Feels like he's forty-five, and, and I know he's not. Uh, I agree with Shelley in that the the outcomes were better than expected for Walker last year, and I'm not sure that Mets do this. Um, if Seth Lugo's elbow didn't come up barking with the uh, with the bone chip he had removed. Uh, so, yeah, this is one of those sightings I think it was necessary, uh, for them as they give themselves some insurance with Lugo. And, uh, you know, I keep seeing news that, oh, Syndergaard is going to be a contributor this year. Okay. Uh, so that's where I see this happening, but this is what's, was left on the market. Uh, and had this, had this, the same scenario played out, uh, six, seven weeks ago, I don't think this is the guy they target, but what was left, I think this was the best option. Uh, and certainly having a pitcher's part can can help out, uh, help uh, cushion the landing here. Yeah, I mean, he's been a very effective pitcher throughout his career when he's been on the mound. The problem is he just hasn't been on the mound very much. I mean, he did throw 53 innings last year in the shortened season. That's great. But pretty much missed the entire 2019-2018 seasons uh, because of injuries. So we're talking about... He hasn't thrown more than the 53 innings he threw last year in a single season since 2017. So my biggest concern with him is health. Uh, I, I'm, it, and it's hard because I don't know that I want to take so many injury risk, you know, pitchers, especially on one team. And there's just so you, you've grown up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so it's hard. Like if I end up with a Corey Kluber or I end up with a Jamison Tyon, can I then take uh, a Taiwan Walker later. So it seems very unlikely that I'm going to end up with Taiwan Walker on very many teams. I know I haven't drafted him yet uh, at this point. At least I don't think I have. Uh, that being said, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball at one point uh, and has shown glimpses of kind of delivering a little bit on that. I mean, he's got a career 384 ERA uh, and a career 125 whip. And I mean, can strike guys out? I don't know. I think it's a it's a it's a pretty decent risk considering I'm pretty sure he's going around. Let's see, pick three twenty five right now. So pretty close to free in twelve team leagues and uh, going pretty low in fifteen team leagues. So it's not a bad price. I just don't know that I'm willing to take the gamble. Uh, the next uh, transaction, another a little bit smaller one. 
Uh, this is Julio Tehran signs with the Tigers. Jason, any interest in Tehran in a bounce back season? No, none, zero, like less than zero. If that was a no, I, I mean, to me, it's soaking up innings. The, you know, there are been, I think, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, is Detroit is going to use him more than he should be used. Uh, you know, they need, they need guys to help absorb innings. And if, if you told me that, that he was, it, it, that they were going to use to uh, control his usage. I mean, maybe him just pitching in a new home ballpark besides Atlanta will do him well because that was always a problem with him. It's like, oh, he's pitching at home, bench. Uh, and yeah, almost had to treat him like a Colorado pitcher uh, to that regard. But it, I just think he's going to end up being the guy they say, okay, go soak up some innings for us. Uh, and that's not going to be a good thing. But I honestly don't want him on my team. Shelly, any interest for you? Uh, not at all. Um, when I saw this, uh, this news come through, I was like so upset because I'm like, okay, you have, you know, Tariq Scoobal, Matt Manning, and Casey Mize. I know that they haven't really pitched too much in AAA, but Mize and Scoobal did pitch in the majors last year. And then you go and sign Julio Tehran. Come on. Come on, Detroit. You got Julio Tehran and, um, Jose Urania. This, that's, that's not good. Yeah, that's uh, the roster. Yeah, I mean, I know everybody's really disappointed because they're likely going to send both Mize and Scooble down. But I mean, this is what major league teams do, right? They, they, if especially if they're not considering themselves contenders, they, uh, they put their, you know, best talent in the minor leagues so that way they don't have to pay them later on when maybe they are good. Uh, it's it's I mean, a bit. Can we laugh at his numbers? I mean, can we laugh at the fact the league hit three seventy nine off his four seamer? 367 off his slider, 429 off his changeup, but then his sinker, the one pitch that everybody normally, you know, that's normally a good batting average pitch, 224, but the XPA was 60 points higher. Uh, I mean, last year was just messy, but it's not like the year before was even that great either. Um, you know, we know that uh, he's had the problems with the home runs as well, but to have three pitches get hit that hard last year, you got to like most guys, you're just like, okay, write it off. But man, that's three pitches that got hit that hard. Uh, and, you know, you're gonna if you're gonna be the guy to soak up some of these innings for a club that's got a lot of young arms, he's gonna have to throw those three pitches. I, I, I mean, his sinker's not good enough to be like, okay, just go out there and throw it every pitch. Yeah, I think at this point you gotta he's gotta show us something before we can buy back in. Uh, let's uh let's move on. I'm I'm like as I'm talking, I'm seeing more news pop up. Uh, that is more interesting than the guys we're going to be talking about right here. Um, uh, Brett Gardner resigns with the Yankees. Uh, does this mean we're, I mean, obviously I don't think many people are really interested in Brett Gardner for this season, but does this mean that Clint Frazier isn't going to be a full-time player, Shelley? Um, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I do think that the Yankees are going to just give, Clint Frazier, um, some run out in left field. It's probably, it's definitely not going to be pretty. Um, but the dude can hit and I mean, he's, he's 26, so they have to give him some run. Uh, I, I mean, I just think that this was just kind of, you know, you know, just bringing Brett Gardner back home. We have another lefty bat for the bench. I get it, but I, I still think, uh, Clint sees, uh, the majority of the playing time in left field. What about you? What are your thoughts on uh, this deal, Jason, of Brett Gardner resigning? Does it does it hurt Yankees outfielders? No, I don't believe it does. Uh, I mean, it gives them a nice insurance policy given the the health track record of the outfielders they have in front of them. 
Uh, it's not like they had a clear option uh, on who's going to play center if, if Aaron Hicks has another injury issue. So this is where it gives them uh, a better option. And at this stage of his career, I mean, Gardner 37, he's going to turn 38 during this part of the, the season. Is like He shouldn't, you know, you got to maximize, use him when you can, uh, but not somebody who should go out there and soak up a lot of playing time for somebody with more offensive upside. I mean, Gardner's skill is getting up there and hopefully drawing a walk. That's, you know, that's his most redeeming skill at this point or, or poking one over the short left, uh, short right field fence. Um, but that's, that's really it. All right. The next two, uh, I'm just going to go through really quickly. I'm just asking if you guys care at all. Todd Frazier signs a minor league deal with the Pirates. Jake Lamb signs a deal with the Braves. Shelly, do we care about either of these? Um, not, not really. Um, I, I, this, I guess the, the Frazier one I'm a little bit more interested in because I did think that, uh, Colin Moran was going to get like full time playing time at first for the Pirates. Um, and he showed like a little bit more power last year, which was kind of, kind of interesting. Um, but I mean, if, if, uh, if Frazier makes the bench, he, uh, Moran could be platooned if he doesn't, uh, hit like he did last year. But, I guess out of the two, those would be ones that I might be interested in. Jason, do you care at all? I care about Frazier. I mean, we we joked enough that you know this Pittsburgh team is god awful, uh, and the reason why I care about Frazier because if he makes his club, he's going to hit third, fourth, or fifth um, on this club, and you know he's only a, a season removed from decent amount of playing time. Uh, and what he's capable of. So if he becomes a volume contributor and is going to hit three, four, five, all of a sudden he could have his best RBI season in three seasons uh, just because he's going to play. Now, we know it, it, it hurts the batting average with him, given uh, his range of average over the past few years. But again, it's Pittsburgh. Nobody else there can really play. If he makes this roster, he's going to make it in the middle. And that's a significant bump to his value. Uh, given that, you know, right now he doesn't even have a job, but if he makes his club, he makes it as a starter. I don't see him making it as a bench player. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if he does make it, he has some NL-only value. I also wonder if, like, both these signings are indicative of kind of some of the rumors we've heard that NL teams believe that there will be a DH in the National League this year. Uh, you know, you're obviously, holding on to that dream, man. I, I, you're, you're my, you're my, my lighthouse on this, man. You have not given up the faith, and as much as I hate pitchers hitting, um, I've kind of become resolute to the fact that I'm gonna have to see it again this year. Um, but yeah, you're out there, and I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still holding on. It, I'm definitely not as confident as I was coming into like the off season in October, November, December, but. I still think this gets done, and I think these are signings that show uh, that teams are, are at least in their mind, preparing for that to be an option that that the DH is going to be in the National League. So, uh, Frazier, if there, especially if there is a DH in the National League, Frazier could be the full time guy. Yeah. Um, so, and like you said, in the middle of that lineup, not a very good lineup, but in deeper formats, you need guys who are going to volume, and, and he definitely could. Lamb was actually pretty good last year. I just can't see a spot. Like, I don't think he's going to take over for Austin Riley. Even if they get a DH, they're moving Ozuna likely to it. So, well, very uh, much so. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine Lamb is anything more than probably a bench bat at this point in his career. 
right, the last one is uh, one I just saw, like I said, as, as we were talking, uh, and that's Ian Desmond uh, announced on his Instagram that he is opting out of the 2021 season. For now. Uh, for now. So, that being said, obviously things can change. What does this do to kind of the Rockies lineup there, Jason? Because uh, the big fear is always that the Rockies are going to block uh, their younger talent with guys like Ian Desmond. Yeah, and now CJ Chrome can be that guy. You know, he's there on a non-roster invite, uh, and with Desmond out of the way, you know, if the Rockies are going to Rocky, this is where they could Rocky. Yeah, to say, okay, Crone, you're a first baseman. You, you, you know, you were the first baseman for about a week and a half for Detroit last year before you hurt your knee trying to field a ground ball. Uh, try it again. Try it with us. And, you know, like Frazier, Crone in cores with regular playing time goes from an afterthought to a, Hey, this is, this could get interesting because again, he's probably going to hit in the middle of the lineup. Uh, as well. So that's where I think this gets, uh, this gets intriguing. But I mean, it wasn't like Desmond was projected to be an everyday player, uh, himself. I mean, the contract kind of dictates it, but Colorado doesn't care about that. Uh, and they would have used him, but not as much as the contract would, uh, would lead you to believe. But for me, this is good news if you've been picking up, uh, shares of Crone on the cheap here this winter, because the friction in front of him just got a lot easier to deal with. Shelly, what are your thoughts on this uh, Ian Desmond-less Colorado team? Um, yeah, uh, I I totally agree. Uh, I I definitely think that CJ Crown is gonna win that first base job, um, and then it, it hit a lot of home runs just as long as his knee doesn't act up again. Um, but I mean, I've I've always had always had like a soft spot for Ian Desmond. He's like a really good dude. Um, and I, I'm just really glad that he has the opportunity, um, to actually spend time with his family. Um, so kudos to Desmond. Uh, but for our game, you know, uh, draft, uh, draft CJ Crone, like towards, you know, towards the end of your draft. Cause there could be like a lot of power there. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting kind of excited about Ryan McMahon, honestly, and uh, I, I mentioned this briefly on the last episode with Paul, and he kind of scoffed at me, but he's made some uh, changes to his hitting mechanics, and uh, supposedly uh, people within the organization are starting to get really excited about him as well, should hit third, or hit, should hit fourth in this lineup, uh, he's triple eligible, you know, CJ Cron becomes a much, much more likely to make this team. Though I can't imagine why they would ever cut him, considering he's probably one of their better hitters. Uh, when you get past the story, Blackman uh, kind of contingent right there at two three. So both those guys, I think, become a little bit more interesting. Maybe McMahon plays a little bit more with Desmond out, uh, and obviously C.J. Cron has a full time role as long as he makes this team. So both guys, I'm definitely moving up my boards as we get closer to drafts. Speaking of drafts. Shelly and I are in a really fun draft tonight. So, uh, it is a tag team draft. So everybody in the league must have a partner. Uh, a lot of really, really good, uh, players in the NFBC, uh, and in the industry in this as well. So, you know, John Fish is in this, uh, Greg Blankenship and, and the Siege, uh, Matt Modica. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a really, really tough room. And Shelly and I drew the number one pick tonight. So Shelly. We're not going to say exactly who we're going to take because we haven't actually discussed this until this moment. 
I'm sorry. But who do you th- who who are you who are you kind of salivating over? Considering we have the number one pick. Yeah. So once the uh, order came out, um, I just had like just all of these thoughts. Um, I mean, Juan Soto is kind of interesting there because you know he's definitely not going to disappoint. Or we could just go like totally rogue and take like a pitcher. I don't know. I'm. I, it, it's really exciting to have the first pick. I've actually never really had like a first pick in like a big time draft, so this is like really, really, really cool. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have not picked first in any of my drafts this year, and this will be my fourteenth or fifteenth draft this season. So it's gonna be. It's really interesting for me that we landed here uh, in KDS. I think it was our fifth option, uh, but we did not get any of our options in the middle where we kind of had originally set our KDS. I'm very intrigued by this, you know, discussion that uh, Soto may try to run more. I mean, I don't, obviously I don't think he's going to turn into like a 30 stolen base kind of threat, but even if he can steal, you know, 18 bags, his batting average floor, uh, you know, being so high, his power potential being in the middle of that really, really good lineup, like... Ooh, that's that's really really tempting. Yeah. Um, but it's also tempting to take guys like Degrom or Cole or Tatis or Acuna. So you and I are going to talk about this after the show, off air, and kind of hammer this out. But just wanted to kind of bring it up, and that way people who are listening to this episode that are in the league um, are completely confused about what we're going to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So let's uh, let's get to our main topic of the day, uh, and that's uh, starting pitchers that are rising up the ADP. So uh, I do an article uh, kind of about every position that's uh, been reoccurring on Fangraphs, talking about ADP risers and fallers, uh, and I th- I was kind of putting together a list, and some interesting names popped up in the pitching uh, uh, list. So uh, let's start with Corey Kluber, clearly rising up now that he's got a team. Uh, he is... Uh, going around pick 193, he's moved up about 50 spots uh, since I did my last update. So, Shelly, what are your thoughts on Corey Kluber for the 2021 season? Um, it, um, him, uh, I, I'm a little bit scared off. Um, I've been, you know, part of the Corey Kluber Appreciation Society for just for forever. And it, it really did kill me, uh, to see him, like, what, only throw, like, one inning last year, uh, before he, um, <clears throat> you know, hit the injured list. I'm, I'm still a little bit scared, uh, because even prior to last year, you could see that some of that Cy Young stuff was starting to kind of, uh, kind of, like, fade, like, towards, like, the background. Like, his fastball has always just not been really good, and just all of the secondaries, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally, I'm staying away, um, because I, I just need to see it. And obviously I can't see it before I draft. So I'm just staying away. The ALE scares me. Um, so I'm just taking someone else in that spot. All right, Jason, are you going back to the well of Corey Kluber? Nope. 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 Uh, I, I agree with Shelly. I mean, there's a lot to be concerned. You know, we, we saw six years of 200 plus innings, uh, before he had a, a, a muscular and a skeletal, uh, injury, uh, between the, the terrace muscle and the, the shoulder and then the, the broken arm. 
uh, humorous, I believe it was, when he took the liner off it. So that's what he, that's what he's had. Uh, and that concerned me. And then when you, when you see where he goes, uh, what'd you say his ADP was? I believe it is, uh, 193 about. Okay. So he went 156 in labor, um, this past, a week, a week ago. Uh, so yeah, uh, or earlier, about five days ago. So he went 156, uh, and some names that I like that went after him in labor. Aaron Savali at 174, Jose Akiti at 181, Bassett at 182, uh, Andrew Heaty 185, Elysia Hernandez 196. I mean, there's a lot of names going behind them. Jordan Montgomery 221. That I would, t- I would take all of those guys over Corey Kluber. I'm just concerned that uh, his days are done, and uh, you know, with the yeah, with the command, he can pitch without the fastball, but. If the slider is the slider and cutter is if if the hitters when Corey Kluber was at his best, it's he was getting ahead in the count and then forcing hitters to expand their zone. Um, but if he, you know, uh, if he can't, the 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 slider tends to be a pitch he likes to throw out of the zone. Uh, and if he can't entice the guys to chase that pitch and he's got to come in the zone with what he has these days, that could get problematic for him. So I no no thanks. Yeah, I'm, I've drafted him a few times, and they may be the only times I get him this year. The moving up the ADP for me is making the price not worth the gamble uh, in a lot of ways. And like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, if you take a shot on an injured pitcher, it means you can't really take many more shots on other guys. And I just, I hate taking, uh, I hate taking pitchers that I mean to get absolutely nothing from. And that's that's the scary part. We saw him only throw one inning last year. Uh, in 2019, he only threw 35 innings. Um, and so it's, it's the lack of tr- recent track record. Obviously, he's got a long track record of being one of the best pitchers in baseball. And if he's back to his, you know, 2018 self, then you're getting a steal there. So I guess you can make the argument he's worth the gamble, but the more his ADP starts to rise, and we know that pitchers' ADP tend to rise as we get closer to most drafts in March, um, that I I don't think I can pay the price as much anymore. So I mean, every pitcher's, right, honestly, every pitcher's ADP is rising lately mm-hmm. because of the runs we're seeing. Even, uh, even the other night uh, in the labor draft that you were in, Justin, picks 19... 20, 21, 22, 23, 25, 26, and 29 were all pitchers. Yeah, there, it's there was the, this big run of pitchers. And even in the top 100, when I look at the overall top 100, 31 pitchers. And that's mm-hmm. just starting pitchers. I'm not even including relievers. Just 31 starting pitchers were gone inside the top 100. It was one of the reasons why prior to starting kind of our draft and our episode that I pushed a little bit uh, with Joe and, and Paul to consider DeGrom if he fell to us at eight, uh, just because I knew the other pitchers were going to get pushed up and I didn't know what was going to be available to us in the second round. So, uh, I'm glad, you know, unfor- you know, fortunately, unfortunately for us, uh, you know, all the seven hitters we were targeting went kind of in order prior, uh, before getting to us. So we were kind of, uh, put in a situation where we had the pick of DeGrom and Cole, uh, and we went with a guy that we all had uh, ranked higher. So, uh, but yeah, pitching is going to continue to be moved up uh, if uh, these 
ADPs that we're looking at and drafts we've been in are indicative of anything. So twelve of the first thirty picks were pitchers or starting mm-hmm. pitchers in that. And I think a forest from you know, one of the observations I saw as much as I loved Corbin Burns last year, Corbin Burns was the third pick of the fifth round. Um, and you're, you know, you're, we're talking about a year when, uh, many of us are trying to forecast, okay, how many innings are these guys going to pitch after last year? And, you know, Burns was a reliever, then came in as a starter. It's like, how is, and, and he went as somebody's first pitcher. Um, and I'm okay with that. I actually like Corbin Burns quite a bit this year. Uh, and I, I've, I've made that jump. Or I've made that move as well as as my first pitcher in the fourth or fifth round, so I don't I don't mind that one actually. I'm not as worried as other people are about his inning workload. I was also kind of surprised to see Chris Paddock still in the top 100. I that one was a little bit more surprising, but I think that was more indicative of again the pitchers all around him being yeah. pushed up. He was the 30th people... starting pitcher off the board, but uh, you know he went 90th overall. Yeah. Uh, next guy we're going to talk about, Jose Quintana. He signed a deal with the Angels, and I think that has drastically improved his uh, ADP. Shelly, any interest in Jose Quintana in L.A. this year? Um, not really. Um, I'm guessing maybe, uh, what, what's, his, what's his ADP? Um, because I guess maybe if it's, like, towards, like, uh, the back end. Um, it's really low. It's okay. 427. Okay. Well, then, yeah, sure. I'll take a gamble on that. I mean, maybe it's like an innings play because uh, when he was, like, with the White Sox and Cubs, like, he was putting up 170, 180, 200 innings plus. So if we don't know what starters' workloads are really going to do, if you can get a guy who can give you some innings um, and maybe throw him in, like, a good matchup, sure. But outside of that, his stuff has just like really come down. Um, it, it, it might work out there. I don't know. It could be another Julio Tehran signing for them, for all we know. Jason, what are your thoughts on Quintana? Um, well, I mean, he's, he's going to be pitching in a six-man rotation, uh, so that's going to be a, a, something you have to factor in. Like you said really late, he went in the 27th round. He was the 115th starting pitcher off the board. Like He was the bottom 10. Uh, there just, just after Casey Meisen, just in front of, uh, Anthony Discalfani is where he went, um, in labor the other night. He, with, when you look at what, what they're trying to do, uh, in Anaheim, it, it appears that they're just trying to throw quantity at the situation. And they, it, it appears like they have enough bullpen where they don't have to leave Quintana in. And that's where he's always been punished. Uh, I mean, he's had a pretty severe, times to the order penalty throughout his career. And if if Madden can use a a quicker hook uh and pull him out, I can see you can squeeze some value out of this. Like I, I like seeing him go in the reserve round. Um but it's not but that's where he should be. Uh until we see what's gonna happen there and how he's gonna be utilized because if, if he's the guy they say, okay, you, you you've got to soak up some of this stuff, like Tehran, that could be a problem uh for Quintana. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard part is he, he could be a volume play, but are you going to want the volume considering what he's done the last few years? I mean, he hasn't had a whip below 1-3 since 2017, uh, and, you know, the last... I mean, obviously, we're throwing out 2020 because he only threw 10 innings. So we uh, can't take that big jump in strikeout rate from 10 innings? No, five, no, I don't think we can. <laughs> but in, when he did throw 171 innings in 2019, he had a 468 ERA. Now, the FIP was much better at 380. XFIP was up 420. So 
clearly, you know, he's prob you know, he probably should have deserved a little bit better than that four sixty eight. I just don't know that he he isn't a six man rotation like Jason mentioned, but six man rotation can only be done as long as it can be done. And this is a team that is uh got a lot of injury risk in its rotation. So I I mean he might actually be in a five man rotation a month into the season if one of their injury prone guys go down or they just decide that the Otani pitching experiment should finally be ended. So I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of innings. I just don't know that you want to soak up a lot of those innings, and he may be a difficult guy to kind of pinpoint when you should start him and when you shouldn't. Yeah, no, that team, that, you know, that time to the order penalty, ERA first time through, 315. ERA second time through, 362. ERA after that, 474. And it's like, that's what you, you that's got to stop. Uh, you let him do the 18 and then go by batter, batter, you know, batter by batter after that, see how things are looking. Talking to you, Kevin Cash. But that's where I'm, you know, that's where I'm, I'm slightly intrigued. Like if I'm in an AL league, I'm willing to take a chance on him. But if I'm seeing Madden leaving him out there, uh, 23, 25, I'm out. Uh, you know, I'll put him on my bench. I'll try to move him out to somebody else. I don't want to see him out there third time through the order. All right. Moving on over to one of my favorite pitchers, uh, the guy that I keep going back to the well on year after year after year, no matter how many times he hurts me. It's, it's a, not a very healthy relationship, but I love me some Garrett Richards. Uh, and Garrett Richards has signed a deal with the Boston Red Sox, Shelly's favorite team. So Shelly, any interested, interest in Garrett Richards this year? Um, uh, a little bit. Um, I agree with you, Justin. Like he's kind of like one of these guys that I just love, love, loved, uh, for a very, very long time. Um, I am surprised to see that he's 32. That, that, um, he'd be 33, uh, through, uh, you know, in, going into like going into the season. So that kind of shocked me. But as a Red Sox fan, just from a fan standpoint, I was really, really excited, uh, because uh, we still have Martin Perez and Nick Pavetta in this rotation. And that is awful. But uh, from a fantasy standpoint, yeah, I mean, I definitely would take a, uh, a a gamble on him. I don't think that he's going to stay healthy the entire season. Uh, I mean, he got moved to the bullpen out in San Diego um, last year. So I, I think that there could be an interesting play, but just be aware that he's probably not going to give you too many innings. Jason, what are your thoughts on Richards? First of all, how dare she besmirch Nick Pavetta? Uh, secondly, uh, you know, because, because he's now a Boston pitcher, I must hate him. Uh, but in all seriousness here, uh, with, with Richards and even this morning, there was some talk where, uh, Joey Core, Alex Core, one of the cores, uh, Alex Core, uh, was saying that, uh, was comparing Richard's stuff to Kevin Brown. Uh, now that's pretty lofty and love manager talk in spring training. Uh, <laughs> this is the same day that Kyle Bloom was saying they can't wait to see Chris Sale on the mound this year. Okay. Uh, but you know, if, if that's going to happen, if they're comparing to Kevin Brown, maybe that means Richards is going to start throwing a sinker more. I mean, when you loved Richards back in the day, mm-hmm. it was the sinker that was getting stuff done. That is, that pitch has, has faded away in recent years. Uh, compared and he's starting the thing, he's been throwing more four steamers instead. So if he's going to turn this around and say, okay, that uh, no, I'm going to go back to my sinker. If that's what Boston's going to do with him, then I've give, yeah, I've got some intrigue. Uh, but again, we're talking about a guy who hasn't seen a triple digit number of innings since 2015. So 
you know, as much as and you talk about a staff full of guys like that. I mean, same thing with with Nathan Eovaldi, uh, who I like more, obviously. But that's that's the which version of Richards are we going to see? Because when you loved him, I've loved him in the past. Uh, it was the guy that was able to generate a whole bunch of ground balls, had swings and misses. But, you know, the version that we see this day uh, these days isn't that same type of guy, and he's had some platoon splits issues as well. So let's see where if he can get that two-seamer, maybe that will uh, negate some of the platoon splits and get him back to the guy that we liked in 2014 and 15. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. like he He's pretty much never been a bad pitcher when he's been on the mound. I mean, he, he outside of obviously the eight-inning sample when he was coming back from TJ in 2019, uh, if you take that out, his worst ERA was last year at 403 since 2014. He's always kind of had a sub for ERA. Uh, been a guy that can strike out, uh, you know, a fair amount of people. The, the question is health. It's like, how many innings can we reasonably project for a guy that hasn't thrown more than what 76 and a third in a single major league season since 2015? Uh, so again, this is, you know, something I keep kind of hammering home. If you take the gamble on Garrett Richards, it becomes harder to take gambles on the Corey Klubers, the Jamison Tyons, the, you know, even like the Nate Pearsons, because you can't add that much volatility to your pitching staff. That being said, I'm never going to quit this guy. I mean, I I was the person who was all on board, uh, that he was going to win the Cy Young and then like uh, two weeks into his season, um, or maybe it was a month into his season. He uh, he had to get Tommy John surgery, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna keep going back to the well uh, here and there. He just he won't be on every one of my teams like he has been in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird to see that the, the emphasis on the, the way he attacked hitters last year, saying, "Okay, I'm going all fastball and slide. because I mean, lefties killed him last year. Absolutely, two ninety six, three sixty four, four ninety. Uh, was his was his uh, triple slash against lefties? Uh, so perhaps Boston said, okay. I mean, they did give him ten million. It wasn't like they just brought him in on a as a non roster invite. They gave him pretty decent contract. Uh, so they may see something here to be like, no, 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 no more of that four seam crap. That's got to stop. Go back to the sinker. Go back to what made you good. Uh, so and you know, using I'll keep referencing some of the uh, the labor results, but Richards was the the 119th starting pitcher taken on then Lucas Sims, Luke Weaver, Gregory Soto, and Josh Fleming were the only pitchers taken later than Richard. So he went as the final pick of the 27th round. Not a bad, you know, not a bad speculation pick uh, in a 15 team mixed league format. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's virtually free at this point, even with the like 40 point jump in his ADP, he's going to pick 383. So, I mean, he's he went 405 in, in labor. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's pretty close to free at this point. In most leagues, uh, including fifteen team mix, so uh, let's uh, let's keep it moving along. Mike Fires, he resigned in Oakland. Uh, he's gonna probably be their innings eater in the middle of that rotation to try to take pressure off of other guys uh, that are younger or have some injury risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mike Fires this year, Jason? Uh, I mean, same as last year. It's a, the, like you said, it's it's a good. It's a good fit, the ballpark for him with his, when he can pitch at home with his ability to generate, uh, infield fly balls and whatnot. It helps keep you know, the, the expansive foul territory really helps, uh, helps him steal some, steal some outs in that manner. Uh, and 
it, if you wanted him to go somewhere, if you're hoping for a rebound, this is it uh, because it's his his best skill is inducing those pop-ups because there's really nothing else very redeeming uh, in his overall stuff. His ability to work high in the zone and get guys to hit it up, um, and if that's going to work, it's going to work at Oakland and pretty much nowhere else. Uh, so it, it allows him to salvage some value in AL-only formats. Not even going to take a chance on him in a mixed league, though. Shelly, what are your thoughts on Fires? Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much my exact thoughts. Um, I kind of, uh, when I saw this signing, I'm just like, yep, yeah, that, that makes sense. I totally get it. Um, it totally fits, it totally fits Oakland because, uh, they do have a lot of injury issues, uh, with their pitchers, uh, and the guys who haven't really had too many innings prior, like, uh, Jesus Lazardo, um, has, hasn't really had like that full starters workload for a while. Frankie Montas, um, unfortunately, um, has uh, COVID right now, so he's probably going to have um, ch- maybe some trouble coming back. AJ AJ Puck, who I honestly think would make an excellent closer, um, I I I he's coming back from a shoulder injury, so it, it the the signing makes sense, but he's probably not going to be on any of my teams. Yeah, I I'm, I feel the same way as you guys do. Uh, I think he's a great major league piece to that rotation because he will take some of the pressure off the other guys, uh, you know, having to soak up innings for the team and for the bullpen. But I, I don't want those innings necessarily soaked up on my roster. I mean, we're talking about a guy that uh, in the last, what, three seasons has not had an above uh, 20% strikeout rate, uh, you know, and so the margin for error for him is really, really thin because he needs to make sure he's getting those uh, those pop-ups. And I I know they're deadening the ball, and so maybe that makes him a little bit more interesting, but it's outside of AL only, I'm just probably not going to roster him outside of streaming him uh, in really nice matchups. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving across the bay from Oakland over to San Francisco to my favorite team. Uh, they signed one of my former favorite fantasy players that has continuously disappointed me, and that's Anthony Descalfati. <laughs> um, and he is moving up the ADP. I think a lot of people are thinking about, you know, what the Giants were able to do with Drew Smiley last year, and maybe they can do something with Descalfati. So, Shelly, what are your thoughts on Descalfati this year? Yeah, I, I've been a big fan of Tony Disco for many, many seasons. Um I, I really like this signing. Um, and I did read that one, one of the reasons why he did sign with San Fran was what, you know, they kind of did with, uh, um, you know, uh, Smiley and, uh, and, and Gaussman and guys like that. Um, uh, the ballpark, I, if you're a pitcher, yeah, I mean, going to San Fran, um, is just like, it's, it's a really good ballpark. Um, I, I really like this, um, this signing. I, I, I've, pretty much had him on most of my redraft leagues for years um and honestly he'll probably continue to be on my roster um i he pitches uh innings and i do think that there is something that san fran can get out of him i mean he's shown i mean i'm I'm thrown out last year for the most part he wasn't healthy um so i'm not really i'm not putting too much emphasis on his 2020 Short sample, wasn't healthy. Uh, but prior to that, he's always been a good uh, control guy. The problem has been he gives up just too many homers. 
and moving from Great America Ballpark to Oracle Park is going to be a godsend for him. Uh, and I think we could see this, him be one of these guys that really surprises people at just a you know off. I mean, really low ADP. He you know he's going almost at pick four hundred in FBC draft champions over the last month. Uh, I mean, so he's pretty much free in even fifteen team mixed leagues. Uh, you know, he's shown the ability to strike out batters at you know close to an inning or a, a strikeout an inning. Uh, clip in 2019, uh, did it whilst not increasing the, uh, walk rate. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested. I, you know, it's the, uh, the office gif. I'm, I'm ready to be hurt again. Like I am. <laughs> so, uh, he definitely has ended up on a few of my teams and will continue to do so. Uh, moving on over, hey, one I of the guys. I want to weigh in. Oh, sorry. Did I not let you weigh in? No. There was only good things said, so I I was maybe <laughs> subconsciously I was going, you know, Jason's going to shit all over Anthony Descalfani, and I don't want him to, but go ahead. Oh, contraire, mon frere. I have him as a top 150 pitcher this year. I am very, for a lot of the same reasons you both brought up. I mean, San Francisco, San Francisco has absolutely earned the track record in recent seasons of taking reclamation projects or castaways from other teams and turning them into something. I mean, Drew Smiley was pretty much dead as a fantasy baseball pitcher, and then they fixed him, and he went off and uh, got a new contract from Atlanta. Kevin Gossman, we all laughed when he went there, and look who's laughing now. And so they've been able to do some things. And I think one of the things that they've, that they've really done with these pitchers is they say, okay, look, yeah, you've had some struggles, but there are some things you do well, and we want you to do more of that. We want you to throw more of that uh, and and work from there. And I think one of the ways I can see them fixing him uh, is to settle down on one of his breaking balls. I mean, Disco throws five different pitches. He's got you know fastball, changeup, curve, slider, uh, and uh, he throws two different types of fastballs. And I think for me, it's like he should settle on one of the breaking balls. And I wrote about this in, in my Rotowire Bold Prediction column because he's my San Francisco pitcher. It's like the shape of his curve and slider aren't that far apart from one another. And then so last year you look at stuff and the swing strike rate on his curveball just dropped off the cliff because it just wasn't that much difference between it and the slider. So it's like, you know what? Just settle on one of them. Just throw the slider. And so I could and just that's pretty much the same advice they gave Kevin Gossman and it worked out well for him. So it's like really attacked with a, a single type of pitch. Uh, and throw more of that. So if they can say, okay, now you have four pitches. He doesn't like using uh, right on right changeup, so fine. You know, against against lefties, throw all four. Against righties, throw three. But this is what you're going to do. Uh, and I want to see how that plays out. But again, they've got a really good track record of fixing guys that we have pretty much left on the fantasy scrap heap. Um, and I'm willing to give them another chance here uh, because I've liked things that uh, I like some of the stuff Disco was doing before he got hurt. I saw I've seen some things um, even after injury that I liked. And I'm, I want San Francisco to be successful here again. All right. Clean sleep on a guy that we all like this year. So let's uh, let's move on to a guy that a lot of people were uh, calling a sleeper when he came over from the KBO. And that's Josh Lindblom. Uh, <laughs> Jason, are, are you going back to the well on Lindblom this year? Yes. Why? You're just like picking guys right out of my bold prediction series. I love this. Uh, so, and, and this wasn't pre-planned, listeners. I mean, you know, this is Justin set the list over. But, yeah, uh, I am back in on Lindblom this year. In fact, the prediction I said, I said I have, a t- I have him as a top 100 pitcher 
Uh, you know, when he, because at the time I wrote the article, he was 133 off the board for pitchers. And I think, uh, you know, some of the stuff with him is, you know, he's had the outcome, some of the outcomes you look at, you're like, he should have been better than this. Like, he had a bunch of strikeouts, which is great. And the whip was okay. And he held uh, hitters to a 244 average, but he gave up some home runs and he uh, had some issues stranding runners, uh, which really hurt. And you see the gap between his ERA and his FIP there. But, the stuff is too good for him to have the results that he had last year. And I think a, a guy that we've been really, uh, you know, a good comp at this would be Yusei Kikuchi, another guy that the results are like, eh, but you look at it, you're like, this should be better. And, and, and Lindblom's a guy that I have on my list of, you know, let me have shares of him, uh, why he's out there. And when I look to see where he went in, uh, right, am I getting that right? Was he not even taken in labor? Oh, he might not have been. Lindblom. Nope, he wasn't even taken in labor. So yeah, that is that's an oversight, and I'm gonna like all of you. What were you doing? Uh, so <laughs> like you, he should not go undrafted in a 15 team mixed league with 29 rounds. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Joe and I were busy taking five closers because everybody kept letting the Lauren closers go, and we we're like, okay, well, it's a league in which you can trade, so. Uh, but we're going to be dropping Sergio Romo after uh, Rosenthal signed with the A's. So maybe he's one of those guys that we target for that roster spot. Shelly, what, what are your thoughts on Lindblom? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I do think that he's definitely a much better pitcher than what the the, the counting stat showed. Um, and, you know, 2020 was just like really weird. I'm just totally throwing it out when it comes to him. And I have been scooping him up in a couple of these, uh, redraft leagues that I've done, like in the second, second to last to last round. And I'm gonna, you know, laughing my way to the bank. Yeah. I'm, you know, this is one of those guys that I kind of completely faded coming into 2020 just because I don't like to invest in uh, too highly in a player that, uh, I haven't seen pitch, and because he'd been pitching in Korea, you know, I hadn't had the ability to really kind of break down what I would see, and it's always hard to kind of translate what the numbers uh, from the KBO are going to look like when they when guys come over to uh, the U.S., you know, in large part because, you know, I know everybody keeps talking about, like, the changes in the ball that we've had over here. They've had even more massive changes um, and it's really changed things kind of season to season there. So it's, it's kind of hard to put things together sometimes with what we're going to see when guys come over. That being said, I mean, he was very, very impressive. And I know the 516 ERA is probably the thing scaring people away from him, but he had a 388 FIP, um, you know, got strikeouts, uh, at a clip that I think people weren't necessarily expecting he would, you know, walked a few more guys than I think many of us kind of, uh, thought he was going to, but, I think that he was trying to not, uh, you know, give up the home run, which is, you know, one of the things that people thought could be an issue for him. I do think that home run rate comes up in Miller Park uh, a little bit this year. It maybe uh, gets a, uh, got a little bit lucky in terms of like the home run to fly ball um, and considering, um, you know, how many fly balls he does give up in that park. It may be an issue, but I still think he's going to be the guy who beats his projections. Right now, like, all the projection systems over on Fangraphs have him for, like, a mid-fours or worse ERA. I don't think that's who he's going to be. I think he's probably closer to 
a high threes, low fours ERA with a you know good amount of strikeouts on a team that seems like they're going to be fairly competitive. So I think there is some good win potential there. So I considering the price, I really do like Josh Lindblom. And like uh, Jason said, didn't even get drafted in labor. So I, I do think that was an oversight. He, he didn't fit our team and what we were doing, but he should have fit some team. Yep. I, I could see him being an early fab, like, not break the bank, but he's going to be right there early in the round in, uh, in fab as, as somebody spending to, to plug a hole uh, because their starting pitcher got hurt in camp. Yep, I think that's a, that's a really good uh, uh, thought process there because I do think that we're going to see some injuries, we always do, and he's one of those guys that will end up on somebody's team and they'll probably be pretty excited about it uh, after the course of the season. Uh, another pitcher that came over from, uh, you know, an Asian league was Koi Ihara, uh, um, who came over from Japan. Uh, he's moving up. I think this is one of those situations where it's kind of hard to gauge what he's going to be in the major leagues. Um, the one thing you can say is I believe he threw 132 innings last year in Japan, which would make him the pitcher in the major leagues this year with the most thrown innings last season. So, Shelly, what are your thoughts on Arihara? Um, yeah, I mean, if, 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 you know, if he threw that many innings, he's probably going to throw a lot of innings this year. And, you know, reports were coming out that Dane Dunning um, is not going to pitch more than 200. I don't even think that he's, I don't, I think that they're really going to kind of, uh, kind of baby him a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would probably take a gamble. Um, honestly, I don't know too much about him, but I mean, if he threw that many innings, he's going to just continue to throw that many innings. And, you know, Texas was kind of like a, the new stadium there was kind of like a pitcher's park. So I'm fine with like taking a little gamble, um, on this guy. Yeah. He threw 132 and two thirds innings last year for the Nippon Ham, uh, fighters in, in the Japanese league. So, Jason, are you interested in Arihara? Yeah, I mean, the ratios were good over there as well. Uh, I mean, the big thing here in Texas is somebody's got to soak up everything that Lance Lynn uh, vacated. Uh, and that's that's the tough part because Lance Lynn was a workhorse. And you look at the staff, you're like, yeah, somebody's going to have to pick up these innings. And you know, around the, the landscape maintenance work that Kyle Gibson does, that's going to be tough to do. Jordan Lyles. Uh, Arihara is going to be really the, one of the guys they're leading at. And I think it's a good observation that, you know, nobody on the staff uh, that's remaining on the staff even threw a, a decent amount last year. Uh, and so he may be the guy that does that. But, you know, we, we talked for all the reasons you mentioned about Lindblom last year uh, coming over first time through. Um, you know, you have to look at the, the risk. As Shelly said, the ballpark helps alleviate some of that. Uh, so I don't I don't know. I mean, it's not not somebody that I'm targeting uh, as somebody who has AL labor a week from tonight uh, or two weeks from tonight, two weeks from tonight. Sorry, March 7th. Uh, so, you know, that's it's not somebody that I'm targeting there. But also, if I do end up with him, it's one of those things where if he gets off to an early success, he may be yeah, in another league because it's just tough to trade in labor. But if he's off to a good start in your home league, it's like looking to move him because he may have some of that nobody's seen me pitch before type mm -hmm. of uh, type of success, but let's see how it, uh, how it works the second time around. Yeah. I mean, and Tim McLeod is like a better guy to answer. I think this question than mm -hmm. uh, maybe me, but 
you know, from what I've read, and I have not seen a pitch, so I am excited to kind of see what he looks like in spring training. But from from what I understand, he kind of profiles as kind of a back end innings eater, a uh, guy that you know, almost a Mike Fires esque kind of guy who's not going to strike people out, but you know, he's going to soak up innings. Uh, you know, he's not going to kill you in the ratios, but nothing is going to be like that exciting. So, I mean, if you're, if you're kind of getting late and he's going to pick 480, um, so I mean, he, again, another one of these guys that's kind of virtually free. If you're looking for maybe a little bit of like safety at the back end of your rotation because he's, uh, because your team has some risk to it or, you know, some high risk, high reward type pitchers already, I think he could become an interesting guy. So, that being said, like he's going in the uh, Chris Bubich area, Nick Pavetta, um, you know guys like Randy Dobnek, uh, and Stephen Brault and Keegan Aiken, so uh, or Kyle Wright. Like there's some guys with some real upside there that I'm gonna likely take over him, but not someone like I'm taking off my draft list. And there's some other things to consider with Japanese with pitchers coming over from Japan as well. One baseball differences uh, mm-hmm. because the baseball is is a little different, and then the other part is the uh, Japanese league typically has uh, five full days of rest between starts, the way their schedule uh, plays out. And so, and, and because of the way the rotations are set up uh, as well. So he's going to have to get used to pitching in a five-man rotation because uh, Texas has not yet, I, I don't believe they've come out and said, we're going six-man rotation, not also because they don't have six guys. Uh, but yeah, if he's got to get used to a different baseball and a different rotation, uh, a, a different style of rotation too. So, uh, there's a lot of factors to deal with in year one, and even with all the the accolades that Kikuchi came over with, we saw him struggle his first two years in the league. Now, uh, Arihara only has two years here. This is a two-year, $6.2 million deal, so he wants to establish himself to see what he can get. Uh, but you know, we saw what, what uh, Kikuchi had his struggles with coming over, too, so it wouldn't surprise me Arihara runs into the same types of issues. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, on to, uh, one, another one of my kind of former favorite guys, uh, that I seem to be getting a lot of shares of this year, uh, because he's just so, uh, amazingly cheap. Uh, and that is Carlos Martinez. Uh, you know, obviously coming off of just a completely lost season in which he was, uh, you know, posted on his Instagram a picture of him in the hospital uh, getting fluids because he got diagnosed with COVID, was part of that weird, weird Cardinals season, but has been a guy that when he's on the mound, he can be a very effective pitcher. The problem is he hasn't been on the mound consistently over the last three seasons. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on Carlos Martinez? Uh, by the way, another guy that went undrafted uh, in labor, but mm-hmm. I'm not as, oh, my God, what were you guys thinking uh, type of guy from the cheap seats on this one. I, I get it. Uh, because of the risk that we've had with Martinez uh, actually staying on the field. Uh, but there are times he's always one of those guys when you watch him pitch, you're like, wow, he could be so much more than this. Uh, and But it's it's the matter of the regularity of getting on the mound. Last year, you know, forget about it. Just write it off. Uh, I'm not even going to worry about last year. Uh, but the stuff is definitely capable you know the stuff is really good you have to worry about what the role is going to be uh, because a lot of what i'm saying here would also apply to alex reyes as well <laughs> a guy that i like but if you like in a vacuum i like reyes more than martinez um and i actually like reyes more than martinez 
even depending on uh, doesn't matter what the role is. I mean, I know there's been some speculation. Reyes may be the closer. I'm not. I'm just talking about pitcher. I'm not even talking about the role here uh, for that. So I like uh, Reyes better, but this is the risk, and it gets back to what you were talking about. It's like how many depends on how you put your roster together. Whether you can take the chance, uh, take the chance on him because you know the track record of of working with regularity has been a problem with him for the last three years. Shelly, what are your thoughts on Seamart? Yeah, I've, I've just really never been a big fan of Carlos Martinez. Uh, I, I honestly, I just don't like the, the, the headache. Uh, because yeah, when he's on the mound and he, when he's going, like he is just electrifying. But then, then, you know, you have like those blow up starts and then he misses time. Then he's in the bullpen. Then he's starting again. Then he's in the bullpen. I just, I just kind of, I just stay away from all of the headache. Um, and I mean, yeah, he's projected to be a starter and he says that he's going to be a starter, but do the Cardinals still think that he is going to be a starter within two months into the season? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to stay away. Yeah. I mean, here's the problem. It's not just the staying on the field. The problem, uh, for Carlos Martinez It's actually one of his biggest issues apparently is getting to the field. Like oh, yeah, one of the reasons, yeah, one of the reasons he got moved, uh, into the bullpen in 2019 is because he kept showing up late to the field on his day where he was supposed to start. Uh, That's called Perez disease got lost on the, got lost on the highway. Apparently. And I mean, this is one of those situations that I think often we try to like look at the numbers or look at, you know, the game tape and figure out like, what's going on with this player? Why isn't he reaching his full potential? Because I have no doubt in my mind that if Carlos Martinez pitched to his full potential, he could be a top 30, top 25 type of starter um, based on what he's done already in the majors. The problem's all in his head. He, he just seems to be kind of like a knucklehead. That being said, I just keep going back to the well, hoping that maybe one day he matures and turns into the pitcher that I've seen on the mound uh, you know, be a very, very good starting pitcher in this league. I've got him in seven of my 13 leagues or 15 leagues, actually, I think so far. Um, just because the price is so cheap, he's going at pick 400. The question you have to ask, you have to ask yourself is when you're around pick 400 is, would you rather take him or the guy going right in front of him? Anthony Descalfani or a guy, the guys going behind him in Spencer Howard, Alex Reyes, AJ Puck. Because I like all those guys. I keep ending up with Martinez because he tends to be the one that drops out of that group. But um, I, I'm okay, Shelly, if we, we don't take Carlos Martinez tonight. That I, 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 will, I will survive. Deal. <laughs> all right. Um, moving on over to our last person. And this is another one of those guys that people were really, really excited about coming into 2020, and all he did was ruin people's fantasy seasons, um, and that was Matthew Boyd. Uh, you know, he was, uh, th there was the uh, Boyd Boys contingent with our uh, good friend Alex Fast, uh, you know, really leading that charge, um, but he just really, really struggled, you know, gave up over two home runs per nine, had trouble uh, striking out uh, players at the same clip that he did in 2019. Uh, walked more guys. You know, the raw skills, I think, are there. I just don't know that he's ever going to put it all together. Shelly, what are your thoughts on Boyd? Yeah, I I, I was one of those, uh, you know, uh, 
Boyd fans uh, last year, and I got burned for it. Um, I've I've always kind of just really been intrigued, and I I I I don't know. He he dealt with injuries uh, last year. Um, he had like a hamstring injury, and then he had he dealt with like some plantar fasciitis. So he just really was not healthy last year. Um, I do think that he is better than what he showed last year. I just don't really think that he's going to be really that good. I think he's just always going to be that tease. He'll have a couple good starts. You'll jump back in, and then he'll burn you again. And then you'll drop him, and it's just going to go up and down and up and down. And that's just kind of like a pitcher I just don't really like to have on my team. I like to have guys that I at least a little bit more consistent, whether it's consistently bad or consistently good. I just like to know what I'm getting. So if it's all this up and down stuff, uh, no, nah, I'm I'm kind of out. Jason, are you out on Matt Boyd? No, I'm not out. Uh, and I will say, like last year, I had him as a top 40 pitcher. This year, I'm saying top 60. You know, Shelly mentioned uh, the issues with the injuries. Uh, and, you know, for him, it's... The, the quote he actually said was, you know, physically it affected me in terms of repeating my delivery. There was no pain for a majority of the year, but my mechanics moved and adapted to where I wasn't able to do the same things on the mound that I used to. And like, you can see it in some of the data, like his release point, what made him good in 2019, he wasn't able to do in 2020. It's like the release point, particularly on his curveball got uh, you know it, it got back up to where he was struggling and you could see mechanically where things were going uh the spin rates were down on the stuff so it's like mechanically you know these pitchers are creatures to have it he had his habits disrupted by this start and stop to prep then he got hurt then he was trying to pitch uh with plantar fasciitis as well like he had a lot of stuff go wrong with him and so he to me is a classic example of last year's trash Everybody else is going to discount him. Let me back in. I, now I'm not. I'm not saying I'm back in where I was. Obviously, you know, I said last year top 40 pitcher. Uh, you know, he was the uh, where did he go in the uh, draft here? Uh, when I'm looking at labor, because Excel's a piece of crap. There we go. Uh, 92nd starting pitcher off the board. He went just behind Brad Keller, just in front of Domingo Herman, Caleb Smith. Spencer Turnbull, Noah Syndergaard, uh, Tarek Skubal. I mean, that's like he was, he's down there. Uh, and so he, you know, he went, ended up going, uh, about 30 picks after Tyron, Taiwan Walker, who we've already talked about on here. So to me, I, I believe he's being underdrafted right now. Uh, and so I like him, uh, here. If I can get him outside, if I have him as a top 60 pitcher in a bold prediction, he's going 92nd, uh, off the pitchers, you know, keep pushing, you know, I'll, I'm willing to take the shot. Hell, Chris Sale went 69th pitcher overall with an ADP of 238. And I maintain Chris Sale is going to pitch like two months this year. Uh, and I'd rather take six months of, of Matt Boyd than two months of Chris Sale. Yeah, the problem for me isn't like, you know, choosing between him and Chris Sale, because I think that is an easier uh, decision considering how little Chris Sale will pitch this year. It's taking him over guys going right in the same area. So he's going to pick 311 right now, mm-hmm. right in front of, the, you know, the aforementioned Josh Lindblom, right in front of Justice Sheffield, right in front of Griffin Canning, Mitch Keller. Uh, like, I have a hard time taking him over those guys, especially with the blow-up potential. It reminds me a lot of, you know, the you know end-of-the-day production we would get from Robbie Ray. Like, you know you're going to get strikeouts. Like, yeah, fair great. Place. And I'm back. Yeah. The thing is, I'm, I'm also back on Ray this year too. Uh, you know, so <laughs> the, the other thing, the other thing that played into Matt Boyd's value last year was we all thought he was going to be traded. 
Well, you can't trade yeah. a guy when he sucks. But if he's doing well again this year, the the there's a very real chance Detroit turns around and trades him this year. And so if he gets moved to a team in a better situation where all of a sudden, you know, there are there's the possibility for wins. There's a possibility of of a of relievers who can strand his runners on base instead of sticking him with those runs. You know, there's all those possibilities. So that that's also a factor that comes into play. So if Matt Boyd comes out of the gate looking like he did in 2019. And then you're like, okay, now he becomes uh, – because he's got two years left in his contract. Uh, this is the time if Detroit wants to trade him and and uh, really uh, increase their upper levels of their system, uh, there will be some teams out there looking for pitching uh, as it's all falling apart across the league by that point. Uh, and so they have a, a golden opportunity to cash in uh, on the bell cow here. Yeah, I mean, he's not a guy I'm avoiding. I think I ranked him 69th in my starting pitcher rank, so – I mean, that alone says that I'm somewhat in on him, but if you look at kind of my team so far in, in 15 drafts, I have him one on one team. So, I mean, obviously I'm, while I, I've got him ranked in, you know, kind of the area where I should be taking him a little bit more, I, I haven't been able to pull the trigger in drafts. And so that alone probably means I should probably drop him down into the seventies or the eighties for me for starting pitcher. If you're taking right. seven, eight shares of Carlos Martinez, and you're not willing to touch Matt Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you, right? So, <laughs> all right, that is uh, going to wrap us up for this episode. Shelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, remind people where you reached on social media and then plug all your work. Yeah, you can find me um, on Twitter at ShellyV underscore 643. Um, and then you can find my stuff over at the, the Dynasty Guru and Pitcher List. And if you want to read about Red Sox, um, I also write uh, for the SB Nation site over the Monster. And Jason, where can you be reached? What are you working on? Uh, see, I'm working on, right now, I'm comparing the, the mixed labor draft results to the draft that we did for the Rotowire draft kit, uh, to see who's moved. I mean, we did that draft in mid-December, so it's been roughly two months between those to look at where the market is on guys who's, who's, who's gone up, who's gone down, why, who went undrafted. Uh, so now I'm gonna have a whole paragraph about Josh Limbaugh being un, un, undrafted. Uh, here and then you're going to have to remind me of the name of the podcast that we're doing to educate your wife on fantasy baseball mm-hmm. because I really enjoy doing that uh, on Thursday night and I know I'm, I've been like one of five or six people that have already come on but uh, I had a lot of fun with that I'm glad that she took as much from it as I did contributing to it uh, even in the late hours on the east coast uh, it was it was good I enjoyed that and uh, so hope that and I forgot the name of it so you're going to have to push it here so people can go listen to it yeah, that podcast is uh, on the TGFBI feed, uh, so just look for TGFBI when you're searching your podcast aggregator, um, but it's uh, the Beat, Beat Him at His Own Game uh, is kind of the, the name of the series where I am teaching my wife to play fantasy baseball with the help of a lot of really, really smart people in the industry, and Jason's, I think, episode was my wife's favorite so far. She really, really learned a lot about how to kind of evaluate talent by watching uh, players and by, you know, looking at the numbers. Uh, and I think she felt a lot more comfortable <laughs> with kind of her progress after that episode. So definitely go check it out. Uh, there's been some great guests on, uh, including uh, Fangraph's own Alex Chamberlain. Uh, and uh, Michael Govier has been on there, uh, as well as Ian Kahn. And I'm about to drop uh, the episode we did yesterday 
with Greg Blankenship, where we talked all about KDF. So if you, if you're in NFBC and you're kind of newer and you really want to learn how to use the KDS to your advantage, uh, Greg did a really, really great job of breaking down kind of all the strategies and what goes into that as well. So that'll be dropping here prior probably to this one dropping or right around the same time. So I'll definitely check that out. You can read all of my written work over on Fangraphs and Friends of Fantasy Benefits. You can hear me on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast as well as a TGFBI podcast. Potapalooza is next weekend. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I currently have around, I don't know, 90-something fantasy analysts from around the industry uh, that have already signed up to join me. I'm uh, waiting kind of through today before I set the final schedule, but it's going to be all next weekend starting at 7 a.m., uh, uh, my time. So 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern, um, and go for seven hours each day through the weekend. We're raising money for charity. Uh, I have not yet quite decided what the charity we're going to do, uh, or raise money for is, but every single dollar that's raised goes to charity. I think I'm going to do something with mental health, uh, cause I think that is something that needs to be stressed, uh, kind of in our, um, you know, pandemic days. Uh, uh, if you want to donate and win a bunch of really, really, really cool raffle prizes, you know, draft guides, subscriptions to, uh, you know, some of the great sites around the industry, uh, Ian Khan is going to give one person, uh, a 15 minute breakdown of their dynasty league team over Zoom, uh, TGFBI entries for every thousand dollars. Uh, he should he should do it in character for sure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Your you know, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you need to make trades. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm giving away a TGFBI entry for every $1000 raised. Last year we raised $6000 for Meals on Wheels. So six people got into this year's TGFBI uh by donating. So, for every dollar you donate, um, you get a raffle ticket. Uh, you can donate by PayPaling me uh, at justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com or Venmo is at Justin Salinger. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So hopefully people uh, kind of tune in and donate and we raise money for uh, a, a good cause that's yet to be announced. So uh, with all that said, uh, for Jason, Shelley, and myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. <laughs>